While we are all learning our new ways to adapt to the pandemic, a few things remain same irrespective of the new normal, like the need of capital to scale the business. Hi, this is NJ and welcome to How I Raised My Seed Round. In this episode, I'm talking to Trevor Gosling of South African lending startup Lulaland. The company solves the cash flow needs of SMEs and has raised approximately $7 million to date. So, getting to the conversation with Trevor. Hi Trevor, welcome to the African podcast series, How I Raised My Seed Round. Can you tell our listeners what problem is Lula Lent solving for the African market? So Lula Lend is providing fast and easy access to finance for SMEs. So the biggest problem uh, in in the world and in Africa being no different is the access to finance for small businesses. Um, there's there's uh, the the high end or, or bigger corporate companies that are able to access funding lines through banks, and you get uh, smaller lenders who can access uh, the microfinance market. But there's a significant missing middle where in South Africa it's alone it's been uh, estimated to be in excess of. 30 to 40 million dollars, a billion dollars, sorry, and on the continent uh, goes into the trillions. So there's a massive funding gap, and we really, you know, utilize technology and data to be able to provide quick and easy access to finance for for small businesses. Okay, so uh, you are saying that your target audience right now is the small and you know medium enterprises. So okay, you have you would have had you know some. realization or some thought behind only targeting them you've given the facts but is there you know more i would say research or thought behind it that why this target uh so in terms of uh, going for this target market um so i'm i've always been very entrepreneurial and um realized very on early on in my entrepreneurial days uh which were actually uh just after leaving investment banking that access to finance was incredibly difficult and I thought it, it really shouldn't be that way. Uh, there's no reason why uh, businesses shouldn't be able to access finance and I realized it's mainly because of the, the pretty analog and outdated processes that banks uh, play and the fact that banks want, um, want collateral at the end of the day. They want security behind uh, any funding that they give out. So, I immediately began looking uh, around the world to see if there were business models already in existence that were solving this and there were cool technology companies in more developed markets that uh, that I felt I could pretty easily replicate uh, in South Africa. So it started off as initially solving a, a problem for, for myself and considering future uh, business activities and mm-hmm. then you know, as I realized that it, it was a, a solution that needed to be solved on a far broader scale uh, that I, I really target that as, as what I wanted to, to go ahead and achieve. So did you seek any funding at the idea stage? Um, so, I mean, we're, we're still bootstrapping post the Series A, I would say. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's important to, to keep a business incredibly lean. And, and I learned that from, from our previous venture that uh, keeping a business lean, you know, um, is, is the way it needs to be done. It, it just gives you a lot more freedom as a founder and founding team to be able to execute and not be at the mercy of uh, a cash burn and the, the funds that are that are in your account. Having said that, I knew 
very early on for a lending business to succeed uh, we need access to capital to be able to on lend so that was super important but at the mm-hmm. same time um, um, we needed we needed to raise uh, funding pretty soon. So, I um, what was important in the early days was you know myself finding a co-founder in the technology space that had the same belief in the business as me uh, mm-hmm. and vision of what we were trying to execute. And mm-hmm. we agreed that until we raised any funding, we weren't going to take any any capital or any any funds out of the business. And so it was uh, a case of you know very very minimal uh, expenditure early on and while we were developing the prototype for, for the business um, I was largely involved in speaking to investors very uh-huh. early on we found out in the local market um, even though my business partner and I had a pretty successful track record and, and good experience we were, we were struggling to find uh, a local uh, businesses or VCs that were looking to get involved uh, in the earlier stage of our business mm-hmm. and that, uh, that resulted in us looking well opening ourselves up to the global market and seeing who is interested in investing in Africa and who can we bring on board so this was probably uh, what I'd call our, our pre-seed stage we uh, were very fortunate just through through a lot of hustling uh, and a lot of uh, messaging on LinkedIn, I got onto a consortium of angel investors out of Europe who were interested in the African market, who had funded other microfinance uh, tech companies on the continent. So I approached them uh, with a pretty solid business plan and uh, was very fortunate that uh, they, they liked the idea. Um, and this was, you know, through cold calling. Uh, it was nice of them to respond, but they, they liked the idea. They flew us to to London, and my business partner and I were able to conclude a deal uh, in a couple of days uh, before uh, before returning back. So that was our pre-seed stage, but it was very necessary for us to have those funds to start building a small team, and then to actually start utilizing those funds uh, in beta as we look to to online to to other businesses. How were you shortlisting the investors outside Africa? First and foremost, it's important to understand that the, the VC or investor is interested in investing uh, in your country or on the continent of Africa. Uh, and they actually have some sort of active investments in, in Africa at least. I think that's first and foremost uh, the most important thing that I've found. I mean, reaching out to, to other investors who don't have an interest in emerging markets or less developed markets is, is a bit of a waste of time. Um, secondly, it's important that the investor is interested in, in the business that you're building. So uh, from our side, we we're building a tech company. So I knew I needed an investor who had some, um, some interest in technology or technology investments. And at the same time, uh, I'm building, I was we're still building a finance company so the investors needed to have an interest in finance or at least understand uh, the finance landscape um, mm-hmm. so when when you funnel down you know that takes away a lot of a lot of unnecessary people that that would, could potentially waste uh, both your time and you could be wasting their time when uh, engaging with them but at least leaves you with a handful of people that it's worth putting, you know, your best foot forward and your best efforts in trying to, to get something over the line. Fundraising is a full-time engagement for startups. What is your advice for entrepreneurs who need to 
both run the business and fundraise for the company. The, your business develops and as you know from our side as we went from um, pre-seed to to formalizing a proper seed and getting an institutional investor and uh, VCs on board and then uh, later on our series A investment. Um, you know, it's always going to be a large part of your business uh, fundraising. It almost becomes a second job. I used to, you know, focus my days, uh, eight to five, being more operationally involved because in the earlier stage of business, you, you need to be more operationally involved. And then really after hours, spending uh, the time working on, on the decks. And uh, what was super important was setting up a, a really solid data room. So. Uh, all your investors are going to need access to a certain amount of information and if you've got a solid data room set up that you can uh, start sharing with those investors once you've got any necessary NDAs whatever in, in place, um, it makes that process a whole lot easier. If, you, if you're managing conversations with uh, 5 to 15 different investors, uh, you, you can find yourself all over the place but with a, with a solid data room st uh, set up um, clearly documenting where you are with with all your potential investors and at the same time ranking them who are the ones you want to put the most effort into and and you'd really like on your cap table uh, cap table and uh, spending more time focused on on trying to get them over the line is far more beneficial than um, you know taking meetings with uh, with investors that that you aren't so keen on or you can feel that there's there's not much alignment there so it's it's really about yeah being being well uh, having a well thought through uh, plan that you're going to work on and execute, and uh, trying to to get away from the uh, the stuff that can take your attention off of what you're trying to trying to get uh, done. All right. So I'm assuming that you would have met a lot of uh, you know VCs during this process, and since you've also uh, closed your uh, Series A, and that was also six. Six plus million, which is quite an impressive figure. So, uh, in your opinion, what do you think the VCs, you know, look out for in a business while you're pitching to them? They're more focused on your business model, or they're more focused on figuring out, you know, how the founder is. Yes, I think it's definitely a combination of all of those. So, first okay. and foremost, it's it's market. So they they want to know that uh, what the market potential is that you're trying to solve for. Um, as you go later stage, you know, they want to understand your track record. Uh, you know, when, when we raise our seed round, um, they, they uh, you know, our track record wasn't as long, so they, they couldn't take as much comfort from that. So it was at that point in time, far more buying into who the founders are, uh, what their track records uh, have been in their personal capacities to date, um, how they've set the company up, uh, any highs they've made, what, what the quality looks like, um, and yeah, really just their, their whole attitude to, to how they, they're looking to, to solve their problem. Um, versus as you get to a bit of later stage, so Series A, you know, you need to have proven, yes, there is a market, um, yes, we have a product in the market that's working, yes, our business model is functioning, this is how we're thinking about things. So the conversation changes a bit um, when, when you have a bit of a track record. Mm -hmm. And from our side, you know, having um, having been cognizant of the fact that we're not in Silicon Valley, where you know you hear all these glamour stories of 
of uh, businesses raising significant rounds and burning tons of cash. Uh, yep. in, in Africa and emerging markets, I don't think we have that um, that luxury, so to speak. So for us, it was it's important that we we showed that we were um, you know we, we were spending money correctly. That what we were putting into the business, we were we were getting uh, getting returns back on that and that uh, we had a tight control on, on how we were running the company. So with all those factors, it's it's all about, you know, building a trust with the potential investor, uh, giving them comfort in, in how you've gone about things to date, uh, with a clear plan on how you're going to execute going forward and, and how you're going to acquire them uh, more and more markets. And and that's what we, we try to clearly communicate to, to any potential investor we're speaking to. Do you think that the local VCs need to be a bit more active at the seed stage in Africa? I think they, I mean, I, I understand there's there's limited capital available uh, mm-hmm. in the local, the, the African market. Um, so, so, so VCs want to, you know, put money into more of a sure thing, so to speak, and, and not take the high risk that, that you have in, uh, in earlier rounds, but at the same time, you know, to foster a healthy uh, environment with uh, encouraging entrepreneurship, there, there needs to be more activity at this the seed level. So, um, yeah, I would definitely encourage you know any any VC uh, company that uh, that is considering getting involved in early stage to to definitely make that that step and uh, understand. That obviously, yes, the the risks are bigger, but there's significantly more rewards. And if you if you're able to diversify or spread your, your risk, you, you, you should get uh, compensated for it in, in the long term. So it's, it's really just changing that risk appetite, I would say. How do you think should the entrepreneurs handle rejections while raising capital? Yes, I think, you know, rejection, you know, you need to understand who it's coming from and you need to understand the reasons behind it. I think, I think it's important to take on board rejection that, uh, that speaks to your business and you know helps you. Well, you, you know you need to take it on board and, and not just uh, fob it off, so to speak. Um, if it, if it's coming from a place where someone understands the market, they understand what you're trying to achieve, um, but th- th- there's certain issues around it. I would definitely take the time to to understand that. At the same time, if if you feel in your heart it's someone who doesn't really understand your, your concepts or who doesn't understand uh, what you're trying to solve and and uh, they may be not as close to the market as you feel you are, then you know probably don't take that on board uh, as much. So it's a bit of give and take on both sides as you look to refine your model. One thing you, any founder needs to understand in the early stage, they don't know everything. You, you might think you have a great idea, but uh, it, it's going to change and it's going to develop over time and, and you need to be flexible to, to do that. So um, take on board what you what you feel speaks to you and, and uh, turn away the rest. And hopefully mm-hmm. as you, you refine your business model and, and what, you, what you're pitching, you, you'll get to a stage where uh, the, the investment appetite picks up quite a bit. Thanks Trevor for speaking with us today. There is a good uh, takeaway here that rejections can often give you the next pivot for your business if you know how to filter the real reasons behind the rejection. This brings us to the end of our episode. In case you want us to feature any startup 
please drop us an email at editor at wetracker.com. Till then, stay safe, stay kind.